Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I'm back uh, with the road to Emmaus again, and I'm going to be coming out of the book of John. Um, John, of course, is going to, I don't want to say take too much of a different route than Matthew and, and Mark and Luke, but him being an eyewitness and he puts his personality into it. Each and every one of us could be sitting at that uh, table with Jesus in Luke 24, um, when he begins to open up their minds so they can understand everything written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning him. And as they went back through scripture and, you know, at the first beginning of uh, the first time I'd done the book of Emmaus, I, I, I wanted to challenge us on what scripture is I'm not saying that the new Testament isn't scripture, but everybody that is preaching and teaching in the new Testament doesn't consider what they're writing to be scripture. They're always wanted us to refer to scripture in their mind. And of course that's going to be Genesis to Malachi. So again, opening up with John here, um, he has a Hebrew mentality. He's no different than any other Hebrew that's ever lived. Moses is the foundation and then you got the prophets and of course you got the Psalms and the writings and, and that's just how it's built upon. And he is going to be using scripture and, and exegeting scripture in a way to portray who Jesus is to him, his side of the story. Of course, Matthew does it his way and John does it his way. Mark kind of takes the quick route, does his thing. And then Luke, who is was not an eyewitness, so I don't He's not an eyewitness. Luke being the physician, um, at that time he went and wanted to gather everything together and put everything on paper uh, in some type of order so that people could understand exactly what happened, the, the real testimony. So that's what Luke brings to the table. But John is, is unique. Um, I think some people, I was listening to a young man because like I said, now today we got a lot of philosophy out there. We got a lot of psychology out there and the, and because of the internet now, because that we got mass communication, um, man, people are putting a lot of thoughts out there. And I believe that the word of God, uh, the way that it's supposed to be looked at, uh, of course, a backseat is being taken. And like I, I tell people at the time, just as African-Americans or people of color would say that things have been whitewashed to, um, you know, to so that when you look at history, it looks as if our Caucasian brothers and sisters were like running things or that's the way things have been. Um, and we know that not to be so. We know that, uh, well, at least I believe that everybody out of one blood, God made all the nations that we see here today. And a lot of the nations that we read about, of course, are going to be in scripture, going to be black and brown. Um, but our, our, uh, the Gentiles came along. We can see a lot uh, in the New Testament where they where they came along and they rose up and took a position and things like that. But the Bible does not give two cents about the color of anybody's skin. It doesn't care. The Bible is it's is dealing with the spiritual nature of man and the spiritual fall of man and how man can be put back into right standing again. That's what the Bible is concerned about. So if anybody on the planet is concerned about the color of somebody's skin, when it comes to the most high God, when it comes to his scripture, you need to leave that, get that out somewhere. Trying to find black people in the Bible is ridiculous. When you look at the Bible, you have to look at it the way that God looks at it, that we all belong to him. Adam um, said that 
He called her Eve because she's the mother of all that are living. When I hear people say that I don't date outside my race, first of all, there's only one race, and that is the human race. It's the human race. Scientists have already proved that you can interchange organs as long as the blood type is kind of matching a little bit because um, we know that uh, everything pretty much, the blood is unique when it comes to, to mankind. The blood is unique when it comes to dogs. The blood is unique when it comes to cattle. The blood is unique when it comes to the things that God has made. It's unique and it's unique for the human race. And I know people have been trying to take Oh man, they've been trying to clone this and that and trying to use different animals. It's, that's not it. Okay, that's not it. We are one race. We come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. And Eve is the mother of all of us that are living. Do you understand that? So don't get all confused with the world. I love the word of God. I believe that it is accurate. And I believe that God used a group of people. Uh, he said he gave... Um, our Jewish brothers and sisters, or I like to say our Hebrew brothers and sisters, he gave them the scriptures and they were supposed to take the scriptures and they were supposed to tell everybody in the whole world. I know that the Jews always recognize 70 nations. That's why 70 was the year of Jubilee. Um, but I mean, a lot of times y'all were prophesying in part, we're preaching in part. All of us claim to, to have a lock on some things, but I'm here to tell you that I don't have a lock on everything. Only thing I can do is shoot you my opinion. And I hope that my opinion is accurate. I think some things that we preach are going to be accurate. And there's some things I don't like to reach for things and try to make something up. If you don't have the proof, stop trying to make stuff up. Stop trying to make stuff sound so off the chain. Like, you know, just stop it. And, and, and I don't know about the preachers today. Please don't ask me about Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen, I don't know what he's doing. That, that ain't got nothing to do with me. I ain't called Joel Osteen. I just see the way that the Lord has, he's, he will not change the same in the beginning is the same all the way through scripture. It just will not change. The only thing that Christ did is that he is the lamb. Like John said, that's the lamb right there. The whole time they've been using, um, uh, sheep or they've been using the blood of oxen and different things like that. But the true lamb of God is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. Okay. So that's it by by one man sent into the world and by God coming down God coming down and I'm going to say it just the way John says it God came down and put on flesh like a coat if you want to put it that way but he was hidden inside the flesh he's God okay and that's the reason why they're going to kill him and I don't know how I'm going to get into all of this y'all I've already did John already and I erased it so pray for your brother okay pray for me and uh, it's a lot going on, but I enjoy doing this. I enjoy putting my thoughts out there. And I believe that God has other men out there, other women out there that want to share the gospel. I just want everybody to come. Let us make sure we understand what scripture is and stop trying to act as if what Moses wrote does not apply to us today. We know that the shedding of blood is not done through animals. We know that Christ shed his blood once and for all. And, um, and that's it. So no more killing animals. Give the animals a break. But there's going to be people out there that are still slaying animals because they don't know that the Mashiach has come. So we just have to make sure that, that we're right. So tonight, I'm going to be talking about the Gospel of John. And if you have it, all you got to do is open up the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1. And to prove 
that John is a Hebrew, to prove that John is an Israelite, the first thing that they're going to begin to do is book of Genesis. They're going to go to Moses' book because that's what they do. And it says here, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Right there, he's already telling you who Jesus is. And the reason why he's using this word, and you have to go back to Psalms uh, chapter 1. Uh, I'm sorry, not Psalms 1. But let's go to Psalms 119. And I love that scripture, Psalms 119.11. It says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So if you want to know why he's using the word here is because he's taken what the, the prophets had wrote and they would call Genesis to Deuteronomy. They would call it the word. I know some people today try to say it's the law and that's the law. And, and we're going to see here with John, they're going to actually be quoting some of John, but it doesn't mean that the law is gone. And the law is a specific part of scriptures, but it's not everything. Of course, the the Moses is going to give us um, some his commandments, his precepts, his statutes, or his law. But all wrapped up in there are testimonies of different brothers and sisters, okay, about what God had did in their life. So I don't want anybody to sit here and um, and think like people say that's the law that's done away with. That is a lie. It is not done away with. Okay, the reason why Christ came and died in the first place is because of sin. So also, so now we're looking at Psalms 119.11, thy word, that's what they're talking about. What Moses wrote, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Also Psalms 119 verse 9, it says, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to thy word. Okay, again, that's going to be Genesis to Deuteronomy. And we know uh, Psalms chapter one, blesses the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That word law includes the whole Genesis to Deuteronomy, where they would say that it's called the word. And we know, what is that Psalms? I think it is 23. And if I'm wrong, y'all, please Google it, look it up. I'm going to make some mistakes on some things. So don't think I'm going to be perfect. I know I can stop it. And I know I can go back and do a voiceover, but there's going to be some imperfections on here. I'm going to say some scriptures may be uh, wrong. You know, it's going to be okay, y'all. It's going to be okay. Sometimes as preachers, we get caught up in the moment, but you're able to Google exactly what I'm saying. So David writes thy word. He's talking about Genesis to Deuteronomy. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So um, I'm trying to get you to understand what John is writing. Thy word, thy word in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him. In him was life and the life was the light of men. So if you want to go back to creation, in Genesis chapter one, when it says, let us make man, I'm sorry, maybe that's two, but let us make man in our image and our likeness. If you want to know, let us is, he's telling you that the son, the Mashiach was there with his father in the beginning. And John is going to make a statement a little later on about Jesus uh, being in the bosom of the father, but he is there at the creation time. And when you go and you listen to Christ again, 
and you start to listen to things he said, he said, no man has ever seen the father. But he says the only begotten son, he's the one that has seen the father. He said no man had ever came from down here up to there, but he came from heaven down to earth and what he proclaims each and every one of us should listen to. Okay, so that's what John is, when John is writing, he is trying to let you and I know who the Mashiach is. He is, the veil is rent down the middle. It is wide open now and he's, coming out of his mouth. And like I said, the reason why they killed Jesus in the first place, because if he says that he is the son of God, literally the son of God, like God had some relations like Zeus and he like mythology. And they start talking about Zeus came down and lay with some human being. And, and now we got a baby. They're trying to say, if you're saying that he means he's literally the son of God, like the our father, the creator of the universe is his daddy, that that makes him God. And they said, that's blasphemy right there. And that's the reason why they wanted to kill him. We know that there was no sexual relations going on between the father and Mary. We know that the Holy Spirit, the same one that came down and hovered over the face of the deep. Okay. And as he began to move on the waters or speak and begin, he's the action part of the father. He's not separate from the father. But they say it's just his spirit, his essence, that part of him that when he begins to speak, it begins to go forth and begins to move. And in the word, they describe it as like being his arm or his hand. Like Isaiah 59 says, the Lord's uh, arm is not short that it cannot save, nor his ear too heavy that it cannot hear. But your sins have separated you from the Father. So the Holy Spirit is like the arm of the Lord or the hands of the Lord. He begins to move and he begins to empower. And uh, so that's why in the beginning you see him hovering over the face of the deep and making things happen. And that's why um, it says that Mary was with child by the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Spirit, touched her womb or came to fulfill what God needed to do. It was no incubus like we see um, the Satanists try to say or these people that are caught up in, in, in demonism, if you want to call it that way, where the incubus goes and it begins to uh, have sexual relations with a woman and they got to get rid of the incubus and all of that. That's not what it's about. The Holy Spirit came down and touched her womb, if you want to say it. He's the action part. When God speaks, the Holy Spirit goes forth and begins to make it happen. And we're going to see that when the Son of God, before when he says, listen, it's important for me to ascend and go to glory, because of course he's the lamb, but also he's the high priest. He says, I am going to send the Holy Spirit back to you. And when he comes back to you, you shall be witnesses for me. He is the action part of God. He's the part that's going to make it happen. When God says, I'm going to do this, the Holy Spirit's job is to make it happen. So when God at the appointed time says, now I'm sending myself or I'm sending my son down to redeem mankind. The Holy Spirit says, I got, I'm going down. I'm going down. He touches the womb or he, he comes upon Mary's womb and boom, God is in her womb. God is in there. And, and, and now, boom, Mary's going to have a child because she was touched by the Holy Ghost. The word, what was spoken in the beginning. And you got to remember in the beginning, you got to go back to when they fell in the garden. And um, of course, the Lord comes and now he's making a statement to the devil, making a statement to Eve, and he's going to make a statement to Adam. But this particular one 
that he begins to talk about. So we understand what he means by the word. The word of God became flesh. What the Lord talked about here in the garden about how the serpent would bruise the seed of Mary's heel and the seed that is in Mary will bruise his head. That word that was proclaimed at the beginning took place on Calvary. And I know if you, if you, there's some great preachers out there that talk about how they were hanging on the cross, whether it was a tree, whether it was a pole straight up and down, or whether it was literally a cross. Um, but when they were hanging there, now you'll hear some brothers talk about that, or maybe if you want to go out and medically look at what it's like to be hung on a cross, to have your arms stretched out, to have your arms stretched up, you begin to suffocate. That's what was happening to them on the cross. They begin to suffocate. And you're like, how could they suffocate by hanging on a cross? But they begin to suffocate. And you would take, if you were on that cross, you would take the heel that was up against that cross. And what would happen is that you would push yourself up to take a breath. Because if you were just hanging there, you would suffocate and die. So you push that heel up. You've got to imagine the heel of, of the two prisoners, the heel of Jesus is bleeding right now. You got to imagine what it looks like. You think that most of the blood is coming from the nail that was nailed um, in his feet, but some of that blood is coming from the heel of the foot because they're pushing themselves up and I don't know how much they weigh and don't ask me to figure out how an uh, average man, let's say if an average man is anywhere from, from 160 to 200 pounds, I'm not sure how much they weigh, but could you imagine pushing yourself up while hanging on the cross to take a breath? Oh my, I'm, I'm telling you, man, it's it's hard to think about, but that's what was happening about. So when they came upon Jesus on Calvary and he was already dead, they took a spear and they pierced him in the side. And of course, the water and the blood came, boom, on the ground. The two thieves, they broke their legs so that they couldn't push themselves up anymore. They would come, and I mean, I know y'all, just imagine somebody breaking legs so that you can't push yourself up no more. Only thing you can do is just sit there and begin to suffer and die. That's an agonizing death that I don't wish for anybody. I don't I wouldn't I, I wouldn't wish that on that. So when you start going through the scriptures and you know you come upon um you know the story of Joseph and his brothers and how they sold him into slavery for some pieces of silver and then Lo and behold, later on, you know, God brings him back, elevates him to be second command in Egypt. And then he goes and he shows himself to his brothers again. That's a that's what's going to happen. Israel may have lost it and they didn't get it. But God promises to open up their eyes so that they can see that, you know, they missed the Mashiach. They missed him. So there's so much going on, even with the Passover. Uh, of course, the Passover it talks about take a lamb, you know, slay the lamb, catch the blood, put the blood upon the doorposts. Uh, and then that way, when the death angel comes, when destruction comes, it'll pass over. And, uh, and you see that to where, so when he says that, 
Um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. You got to understand that in the beginning, it says that God um, made light and the light he separated from the darkness. So you can imagine what it is to have a light and how that light is trying to overcome the darkness and illuminate the darkness. But the darkness, he's trying to say that um, the men and women at the time did not understand it. They couldn't comprehend um, what was going on there. Because each and every one of them have to talk about the forerunner before Jesus. Uh, verse 6 in John, uh, it says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many uh, as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God to them that believe on his name. Let's pause right there for one second. When it, you could, when I'm, when I'm talking with other brothers and I'm, I'm, I'm letting them know that of course, John is exegeting from out of the book of Genesis. You cannot help when he begins to talk about, um, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God to them that believe on his name. There's a lot of times, I don't want to say a lot of times, but there is so much false doctrine out there today when it comes to scripture, because I think people, because we are not understanding like Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and he said, salvation is of the Jews. The salvation is of Israel. God gave Israel the oracles of God. God gave Israel the tools. God gave them the word of God. And these brothers have been studying this word for a very long time. I don't know any place else where it's, where it's written that wise man from the East came because they saw his star. I, the word of God has been around for so long, y'all. We think because, you know, where we're at today and fireworks are going off all around me, but we think that today that we got a lock on the scriptures. Like we know exactly what's, what's going on. Oh, man, if this is what it means. Listen, salvation is of the Jews. It's of the Hebrews. It's of Israel. I'm a Gentile. Now, people can come along, and I know we got some uh, uh, black men out there that want to say, well, we're the lost tribe of Israel because, you know, we're here in America. I'm telling you the reason why we're here because, uh, you know, God is, no, brother, stop it. And number two, I'm not going back to try to find out where I came from. I'm not going back there to do that, y'all. Listen, I belong to my heavenly father right now. That's all I'm worried about as many, this scripture that he is putting here, but as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God to them that believe 
on his name. Now, I know you want to know where this is coming from. And I need to stop right here and I need to just touch on this real quick. But if you got a second and you can go back to Genesis chapter four. Uh, of course, Genesis chapter four is the place where John is quoting from. Because we know that uh, Cain slayed Abel. And when Cain killed his brother, God had told Cain, move along, bro. Go on somewhere. It says here in verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, has appointed me another, what? Seed. Instead of Abel, who Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So John has not left out of Genesis yet. He begins to exegete his testimony by saying that he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, I'm in Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. And chapter 5 of the book of Genesis, it says, let us give you the genealogy of Adam. And it begins to go through the genealogy of Adam. And it doesn't include Cain. Verse 3 says, Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. It starts to talk about Seth. It starts to talk about Enos because there was a separation between the sons of God and the men that were out there. And Cain represents that line of men, that line that, if you want to say it, that didn't want to accept God or didn't want to accept the will of God for the life or didn't want to do it the way that God designed for it to be done. But this line of Adam did uh, receive what the Lord had for them. That's why Paul, being a you know, a Torah student, you know, he quotes in, in the um, in the book of uh, Romans, Romans chapter 10. Y'all know the famous chapter of Romans chapter 10. You know, some of this stuff should kind of like be like resonating in your mind a little bit when you start to hear uh, some of the things that we're talking about. And it starts to talk here. It says uh, uh, Romans 10. Uh, and 9 it says, But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him 
in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. All right. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. So when we start to see this line that begins with Seth, the seed, God has given her another seed instead of Abel who Cain slew. Cain didn't believe and Cain went that way of unbelief. But Seth is a believer and Enos is a believer. And I believe that Adam preached it. I believe, listen, you got to have somebody preaching it in order for somebody to believe because Paul is telling you right there the steps to salvation. That's what he's telling you. God still has preachers to this day. He still has men that have not bowed their, their knee to Baal, and they are preaching what Moses preached and what the prophets preached and what the apostles preached. That's what we're preaching. We're not changing anything for nothing has changed. Like I told you, we know that Jesus is the lamb, so stop killing all the sheep and the goats and the bulls. Cut that out. All right? We know that he is our high priest. We have no more priestly line. We ain't looking for that. He is our high priest. So we here, we're brothers and sisters. One isn't above the other. And that's and, and, and I can't put it no other way. I just read you Romans chapter 10, beginning at verse 9. You can go study that yourself. Okay, so um, I just needed to put that out there because once you get from Genesis chapter 5 to Genesis chapter 6, and I'm going to have to touch on this a little bit. I got to get back to the gospel of John. But this one statement right here that's going to be made in Genesis chapter 6, I'm already showing you how John is exegeting the book of Genesis. His whole thought process is coming out of here because you want to know why he's saying the sons of God? Genesis chapter 6, it says here, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a 120 years. And there were giants or there were tyrants in the earth in those days. And also after them, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was uh, only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, creeping thing, Fouls the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So now, here we are, man. We're still, I, I got to read that. I got to go back there. And I, I'm going to have to talk about it. Because I'm telling you, it gets on your nerves sometimes. When you hear people out here in the world, like I said, I still believe that you have men that, just like John talks about here in verse 11, as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, 
uh, to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I believe that he has men of God, that he has called preachers, that he has opened up our eyes so that we can look into his word and say, God, I hear you. I see it. And we preach what Moses preached all the way through Jude. Do you understand that? Please understand that. Stop Stop letting the world take you on some fantasy ride because you can see clearly back here in Genesis chapter five, the lineage of Adam. And I think if we want to go again, I think it's first Chronicles where again, the scribes and the writers of first Chronicles begins to take the line of Adam and it begins to explain it to us Again, it opens up just the same way that Matthew um, opens up and he begins at Adam is the same way that in Chronicles chapter one, it doesn't talk to us. It doesn't break down um, Cain's, the descendants of Cain. It does not do that. It talks about the descendants of Adam in first Chronicles, Adam, Sheth, Enos, and it begins to roll that way. And it's very important. But when the sons of God saw the daughters of men, something happened. Something happened. And I, I got another thing to talk to you about, but I want to keep on moving right now, y'all, with John. I'm going to go back to this, okay? Because this is important. This is something that, you know, scholars are kind of putting their little hand on, and that's where the whole incubus or the sexual relations with demons have come in. And I'm telling you that that's a lie. I'm telling you that John right here is trying to, he's keeping us on track. If we keep a Hebrew or Torah mindset, we will not be going off with the Nephilim and all this other nonsense because angels are not human beings. They do not have reproductive organs. When you and I get our celestial bodies, we'll be just like the angels. There's no more need for reproduction. There's no need for marriage anymore. Marriage is a earthly thing. Reproduction is an earthly thing. Be fruitful and multiply, but you and I will be like the angels. We're not going to be having babies no more, y'all. So when angels come down here, they want to enter and try to enter into the soul of a man, get into that part of the man, into the soul, that, that place, into the and, and try to run that man from that place. Do you understand that? But to sit here and start saying that, demons are having sexual relations and, and and try to back it up with Peter and Jude and some other stuff. I just, I got, I got to put my spin on that. So anyway, um, it says here in verse 14, getting back to John, and I'm sorry for getting off on that, but I'm going to come back to it y'all. Cause I have to, it says here in 14, it says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So the word, all the word from Genesis to Malachi pertaining to Jesus, and that includes the Psalms. Like I said, we're going back to Luke chapter 24 when he opened up their minds so they could understand everything, everything written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. And if you want to include the writings concerning him, everybody that preached, everybody that the spirit of God used, uh, like Peter said, holy men of God moved by the spirit of God gave us the scriptures. Everyone of the spirit of God that moved, that, that he moved on these brothers to write, who wrote the scriptures, all were talking about Jesus. And Jesus specifically says that Abraham, um, 
rejoice to see his day, that Moses was writing all about him, all about him. So the word, I already talked to you about the word Genesis to Deuteronomy, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, it says here that John bear witness of him. Now the disciples, now you got Peter, James, and John, the Mount of Track Transfiguration. This was not just a vision because when we go back over to, uh, I think it's Second Peter chapter one, Peter's gonna talk about what happened on the mountain again, okay? But we begin to look at, um, it says here in verse 15, John bore witness of him or bear witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I spake. He that comes after me is preferred before me for he was before me. This is the testimony of John the Baptist. John the Baptist didn't write anything down. John is telling us or quoting us what John the Baptist was saying. He said, I came to prepare the way for somebody. Even though I may be the first one running my mouth, this dude was here before me. Yeah. He was already here, and of his fullness have we all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses. That means the Torah, which Paul talks about, um, and I think it's in Second Timothy. For all scripture has been given by the inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for, re for reproof, uh, for instruction, that the man of God may be what thoroughly furnished. Torah is teaching and instruction in what is righteous. Okay, that's what the, the first five books are called Torah. I know they in the world they call it the Pentateuch. They got their own name for it. But the Hebrews called it the Torah, teaching and instruction in what is righteousness. For the, for the Torah was given by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So when you start to get into the life of Noah, and it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And then also when Jesus says, I am the way, that's the Garden of Eden when he took a cherubim with a flaming sword turning every which way to guard the way. We know what that means. I am the way. I am the truth. His word is truth. It will not lie. The word of God is true. Okay, and he is the life, the tree of life, the life that everybody wants. Because one day, y'all, I'm sorry, we're going to leave planet Earth. You know, we were made from dust, man, we're going back to dust again. Do you understand that? But we can live forever with our Lord and Savior because of what um, he has done for the law, for the Torah was given by Moses, that's Genesis to Deuteronomy, everything just as in rules and regulations, y'all, okay? Like I said, we got some other testimonies of men and women in there that are powerful. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Here's a powerful statement by John. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which was in the bosom of the father, he says that he's he was in, his, in the bosom, he has declared him. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Listen, they have to talk about the forerunner. 
and John said, um, I am not the Christ. And they said unto him, who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you that prophet? And he said, no. They said uh, unto him, who are you that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest uh, thou of yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, why baptizes uh, if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in uh, Bethbara beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. So he says, there is one standing among you whom you know not. He it is who's coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. See, John starts to talk about, I baptize you with water. But there's somebody here that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost or baptize you with fire, uh, like Matthew talks about. Okay? Um, I think Matthew talks about that in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Remember we talked about that? We covered that. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear or unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. What does that mean? And if you're not looking at it from a Hebrew perspective, you have no clue to what these brothers are talking about. And I'm going to have to come back. And I am going to have to uh, elaborate on that too, which I should elaborate on it right now. Let me let me do this for you. Okay, we know that the book of Exodus talks about the children of Israel leaving um, Egypt. We know that the Passover, remember three times a year shall your men come before me. Passover, Feast of Weeks, or the Gentiles called Pentecost. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, three, three times a year. I don't know what anybody else is doing. These other holidays that we are celebrating today, I'm telling you, if you are a believer, if you are just like we read about, and, and um, as many as received him, to them, he gave the opportunity or the power to become sons of God. To them that believe on his name, you are no different than Adam, Seth, Enos, those brothers that called upon his name, come out from among them and be thou separate. So our holy days, not holidays, our holy days have changed. Now you and I understand why the Passover is so important. We understand what that's all about. Now we know that Jesus died on Passover. We don't need to XG that. We don't need to get into that. Later on, I'm probably going to do a little segment because now we've got communion going on. It was whitewashed or it was changed by somebody because they don't want you to understand that God has not changed. So why are we changing Passover? When he says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, he's sitting there with some Israelites 
having the Passover Seder. They do it once a year. So why on earth are we sitting here trying to make this some type of monthly ritual? Now, like I said, y'all, I don't know everything. And maybe there's a brother out there that says, hey, we changed it from yearly to monthly. It's right here in the scriptures. But we celebrate Passover once a year. We celebrate the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost once a year. We celebrate the Feast of Tabernacle once a year. Three times a year shall your men come before me. That's required by God. It's required. Why would God change it to every month? Now, listen, y'all, like I said, I don't know everything. I'm just telling you that I switched from Christmas, Halloween, Easter, and all these other ungodly things over to Passover, Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles because God has not changed. And what holy day, you know, we, we talk about while I was yet in sin, Christ already had died from, he died on the Passover. I'm not worried about Christmas. I'm worried about the way, the day that my, my Lord and Savior died for me. We quote the scripture, but we have no clue of what we're quoting. If we honor that, that, that scripture where it says that while I was yet in sin, y'all, Christ already hung and died for me, rose again, sits on the right hand of God. Why on earth would I not honor the Passover? Why not would I not get with my brothers and sisters and we start to talk about the day that Christ gave his life for each and every one of us? Why wouldn't I do that? Now, now, listen, I'm not so heavily that I'm no earthly good because I got grand boys and I know they get excited because their parents are still putting up Christmas trees. I don't, I'm not into the whole tree thing, y'all. I've, I've been transitioned. But I understand that, you know, to, to tell somebody how much you love them, how much you care about them, and one day we set aside and we give them some gifts. I understand all of that. And I'm not trying to be Scrooge and jack up my grand boys and their little Christmas because their parents are moving that way and they already in their mind thinking about this. I'm not telling about no Santa Claus. You know, I'm still going to be like, okay, grandpa, I'm going to get you something. You know, we've been bred to get somebody a gift. I, the, every every year that goes along, I, I'm getting unhinged from it. I'm getting unhinged from it, y'all. I really am. But I understand the principle of it. I just don't, I don't want the worship of it. And I hope you understand that. I don't want to be Scrooge and mess up my grandboy's day. So some of y'all are going to be just like me, like I'm, I'm, I'm vegetarian now. Some of y'all going to get mad at me if I ate an egg or oh, you, whatever type of vegetarian. So you can get mad at me for that. I just don't want to jab. I'm not putting up no tree. I ain't hanging no lights. I used to like the lights though, y'all, but I'm not hanging no lights. But on Passover, I'm going to observe the Passover and I'm going to begin to read how Jesus, the whole thing, for where the last meal that he had with his disciples and he said the one I give this bread to and he gives it to Judas and he says go do what you do and Judas leaves to go do what he does and betray our Lord and Savior Judas thou pray thou betrayest me with a kiss all of that all the way until he dies okay I might keep on going on 50 more uh, <laughs> we might go 50 more days to the feast of weeks or what the world calls Pentecost so uh, when we're sitting here and we're and we're looking at um Looking at that, um, Jesus is coming to baptize us with the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? So the first Passover we know is in the book of Exodus. And also the first Pentecost we know is in the book of Exodus. So we know I talked to you a little bit before in this segment about how they took a lamb and um, slayed it, caught the blood, took the hyssop, 
put it over the doors, um, put it around the doors so that the, when the death angel came, it passed over. When death comes, it's going to pass over you and I because of our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Mashiach. But when we begin to look at Exodus chapter 19, 50 days from Passover. Chapter 19 talks about in the book of Exodus. It says, in the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain saying, thou shalt say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have, uh, you have seen what I did unto the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words which the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. You know, the people were all on one accord in the upper room. And it says here, And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Lo, I come unto thee in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow. And let them wash their clothes and be ready against the third day. And the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people from Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about, saying, Take heed to yourselves, that you go not up into the mount, or touch the border of it. Whosoever touches the mount shall be surely put to death, or the mountain. There shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned, or shot through whether it be a beast or man it shall not live when the trumpet soundeth long they shall come up to the mount and moses went down from the mount unto the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes this is the baptizing if you don't understand what's going on this is the baptizing it's necessary when he told john let everything be done it's necessary no lord i need to be baptized of you john let it be so according to scripture that's why the people are coming out there repenting. That's why the people are coming out there uh, being immersed in water. But Moses went down into the people and sanctified the people and they washed their clothes and he said unto the people, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives, sanctify yourselves. Be holy, be prepared for the Lord. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there was thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the nether part of the mount and Mount Sinai was all together on a smoke because the Lord had descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake 
And God answered him by a voice, and the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain. Moses went up, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to the Mount Sinai, for you charged us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain, sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. So what you see happening here, the Lord has come down on the mountain, and it's all fire. And it looks like a fern, it looks like just smoke is coming off it because of the flames and everything that are on top of it. When you fast forward 50 days after the death of Jesus and you come to the book of Acts and you want to know what Pentecost is all about. You want to know what everything is going on in with Pentecost or with the Feast of Weeks. You want to know what's going on because Jesus is going to baptize us with the Holy Ghost or with fire, which is written in Matthew. And it says here, and when the day of Pentecost, I'm in Acts chapter two, was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, the same way here in the book of Exodus. They were all on one accord in one place. Remember they said, they all agreed. Yes, Lord, we will do. Moses went and got all of them and brought them out to the mount. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I know in the book of Exodus, the mountain is on fire. In Acts chapter 2, it's like their little heads were on fire. Cloven tongues. You ever see a flame? You ever take a big lighter? Back in the day when we were kids, we had no business playing with those big lighters. Remember those big lighters that you would just take it, flip the lid off it? Or what are, what are they called? Remember the, the chrome ones the bikers used to have was real cool? Zip. You take that zip lighter, man, and that you click that little thing back, boy, and that little flame will come up, man, and start to flicker. That's what it looked like on top of the head. The same thing going on back here in Exodus chapter 19 is the same thing going on in Acts chapter 2. And you know what, what's funny about it is, is Acts, I mean, Exodus chapter 20, it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. You will have no other gods before me. And he begins to lay out all the commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 14, Thou shalt not commit adultery. 15, Thou shalt not steal. 16, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. 17, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. 
18, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak you with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not for God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces that you sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said uh, unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth shalt thou make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen, and all the places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. If you will make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if you lift up thy tool upon it, you have polluted it. Neither shall you go up by steps under mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. So that is what was going to happen. And that's why it was so important. John is like, I baptize you with water. But there's one that standeth among you that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Off the chain, y'all. But we don't know that because we don't see it. Uh, we also look at Hebrews chapter 8. Um, Hebrews chapter 8 um, is very important because, like I said, a lot of times people don't really understand what is going on on the day of Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, and they just begin to kind of fill in the gaps for themselves. But Hebrews, they don't fill in no gaps. They just, they go there, man, they exegete scripture. This, if this, is what, this is what happened here. You don't have to make it up. Exodus chapter 19, there you go. The mountain's on fire. Their little heads are fire in Acts chapter 2. What happens is, Exodus chapter 20, God brings down the commandments. Oh, okay. But you can't see it. But let's listen to the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 8. And it says here, it says um, in verse 9, Hebrews chapter 8 verse 9, it says, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind, and I will write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And that he says, a new covenant. He has made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. The covenant that he wanted to make on the first Pentecost or the first Feast of Weeks, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't able to be kept. Number one, Jesus didn't come. When Jesus came, remember how they were sanctifying themselves, getting themselves ready? That's what's happening with John the Baptist. They're out here again. They're repenting. 
They're coming here. They're baptizing. They're immersing themselves in water. They are preparing themselves to meet God. Remember, God came down on that mountain. That mountain was on fire. Oh, my goodness. That mountain was on fire. The trumpet was sounding. God had it going on. God said, I wanted to, at that time, I wanted to write my laws upon your heart and upon your mind. And I wanted to be to you a God and you to be to me a people. But it just didn't happen. You couldn't keep the covenant. We know the next time we turn around, they built the golden calf. Now, fast forward to the book of Acts. He, listen, Christ has come and he has sanctified the temple. He has cleansed everything. Everything has been cleansed. He is the Lamb of God. The same way that the high priest would go into the temple and he would sprinkle the blood in there. Christ not only uh, shed his blood down here, but like he told them, don't touch me for I have not yet ascended up to glory. And when he went into glory and he sat down on that mercy seat and a little bit of the blood came out and trickled upon that seat, it satisfied his father because he literally took the body. He took that body that was made for him and he took that body up to glory and that body is there, sitting there, always um, reconciling us to the father because the blood that came out of his body trickled on that seat and satisfied our father he cleansed it he cleansed not only what was down here but he cleansed everything up there so now you and i now have been sanctified and we are ready to receive the spirit of god if you confess with your mouth the lord jesus and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, not might be saved. And now you're ready because the spirit of God is going to come and it's not going to be like the covenant that he made with Israel in those days. It's a new covenant where he's going to write his commandments upon our hearts and upon our minds and he will be to us a God and we will be to him a people. That's what God wants to do. So all the other stuff that you have learned about in the book of Acts, about now you're trying to run out here and you're trying to put more of an emphasis on speaking with tongues. You're trying to put more of an emphasis, uh, uh, more of a, um, uh, you know, you're trying to dance a little better. You're trying to sing a little better. When the spirit of God comes into your life, the commandments and his precepts and his statutes come into your life. And he says, I'm the God that heals you. I'm the God that's empowering you. And without, listen, if it wasn't for the spirit of God, there would be no witnesses. He says, when the spirit of God cometh upon you, he starts to talk to them in the book of Acts. He says here, he says, which of you have heard me? Acts chapter four, Acts chapter one, verse four. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I'm telling you that when the spirit of God comes in you and he fills you, 
you and I are going to be very, very conscious of what sin is. Um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not only will you be a witness for him and tell everybody, look, man, Jesus is real. God is real. The Mashiach is real. But also you and I are very, very conscious of what sin is. And I'm telling you, when you and I are in sin and we're making some mistakes and we're doing some dumb stuff, man, it's like poison in your heart. You're like poisoning yourself because you and I now, as many as received him, to them he gave the opportunity to become sons of God to them who believe on his name. And we believe, he says, if you ask anything, ask it in my name. All right. Do you understand that? I just I needed to touch on that a little bit because, you know, sometimes man, we're getting a little lost out here. Folks are telling us a lot of different things, but we need to know what God is saying to us. But if we don't have the Hebrew background, if we don't have that Israel background, then people are filling in the gaps for us. And we don't need nobody to fill the gaps in. We got the Holy Ghost. We got the word of God right now. And the word of God is going to fill the gaps in for us. Now, y'all, I can keep on going and I can keep on going. I've got to try to end this because I'm just talking about John here, okay? Now, listen here. Uh, try to see how I can get, <laughs> get my way uh, out of this thing. So, you know, we start to look at, um, let's see here. Let's go to 1, John chapter 1. Verse 29, it says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. This is he, uh, is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is prefer preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come, baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same as he was baptized with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. All right? Moses did not baptize anybody with the Holy Ghost. God came down on Mount Sinai himself and he wanted to baptize the church at that time. He wanted to baptize our brothers at that time, but they weren't ready for it. He wrote the, the, uh, the commandments on tables of stone. But for you and I, he's writing his word upon our flesh, a fleshly heart, not a stony heart. Because as many as received him, to them he gave the opportunity to become sons of God to those that call upon his name. All right. So we call upon his name while we were yet in sin. Christ already had died for us. We had been sanctified and set apart and filled by his spirit, not to be out here dancing. Do you understand that? Not to, it ain't say nothing about dancing. The speaking of tongues was given because we know on the, on, on the day of Babel, God confused the language. And we know tongues was a sign that it was God. Only Listen, only God confused the language on Babel. And then on the, on the day of the Feast of um, Weeks, 
God brought the, 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 the Jews back from the four corners of the earth. I'm saying the four corners. I know this is a, it's a sphere, y'all. I know it's not flat. I'm just letting you know that. But he brought, bring them all back from all the nations that they had went to for Passover. And when these brothers came out and, and, and uh, on the day of Feast of Weeks, and they began to glorify God and proclaim what God had did in some of these brothers' language, because when they went to these other countries, they began to speak a different language. If they came to America, they speak the English language. If they went to um, Japan, they spoke Japanese. If they went to China, they spoke Chinese. If they went to um, another place, they spoke that language and they became very comfortable speaking that language, even though they were Israelites. So on that day, when they came back, that, that day when Pentecost had fully come and they had came back, some of those brothers there spoke, let's just say, uh, Jewish. Some spoke American, Japanese, Chinese, um, all different types of languages. And the Hebrews came out of the upper room and they began to proclaim the wonderful works of God in some of these brothers' languages where they just came. And they say, how do we hear these brothers? They, they don't even live in, ja in Japan. And how are they proclaiming what God has done in Japanese right in front of my face? But the word, listen, the word of God what is going to happen when the Spirit of God comes is Hebrews chapter 8. Because the problem inside of you and me is this thing called sin. And I'm telling you, if a man says that he has no sin, then he's a liar. And you and I are very aware of the things that we do publicly and privately. I'm talking about me. Let me just put this out here. And I'm telling you that the Spirit of God wants to deal with the sin in our life and he comes and he begins to write um, his commandments and his precepts and his statutes the same way right here. He comes and he says, um, I am the Lord thy God, Mark, that brought you out of that nonsense and out of that yoke of bondage. You shall have no other God but me. He begins to speak that to me. And I know the places in my life that I'm like, Lord, I need you to take this nonsense up out of my life because I'm not here to play. I know I got issues in my life and I don't care that I'm a preacher. God has called me to preach. Okay. But there's still areas in my life that I need for God to heal me. And I need for God to set me free. Do you understand that? The Lord has done some great things in my life. He's taken some drugs, some alcohol, some things out of my life. But now that that's gone, I still got some other areas. I'm like, Lord, I see that too, because it doesn't line up with your word. And going back to Romans 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when our mind is being renewed, when he opens up our mind to show us who he is, remember he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. When we, he begins to open up our mind and begins to show us who he is. And we are transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can prove now what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? That's what begins to happen here in Exodus chapter 20. God begins to give us his word. The same thing that John said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
he begins to give us that word. And that word is a transforming word. It goes forth and prospers in where it has been sent. And God's word is designed to transform you and I. And Paul writes in 2 Timothy, all scripture has been given by the inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God, that the woman of God will be thoroughly furnished. The same way the temple was thoroughly furnished, God wants you and I thoroughly furnished. Do you understand that? The seven golden candlesticks should be right in the middle of our chest, illuminating which the seven spirits of God. Holy Spirit right there. That manure right there, them seven golden candlesticks, it's a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful picture of God's word, dead center. And like Christ tells the churches in Revelation, if you can't get it, I'll take and I'll move your candlestick out of its place. And you do not want the word of God misplaced in your life because without the word of God, you and I will not know what is right and what is wrong. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Do you understand that David knew that the spirit of God is the manure that lights up, that illuminates everything. The word of God lights up and illuminates everything. I know Jesus brought grace because Noah found his grace. But he also is the truth, and he also is that tree of life, y'all, that we can take and eat and continue to live forever with. Yes, he is. And I just I just got to touch on that. And and it's another part, and I told you I was going to go back to, and I know I went off on this thing, but let the Spirit of God lead me. I don't know who's going to listen to this. Sometimes you sit here and think that, Lord, I don't even know if anybody's going to listen to this. But I want to touch on this thing called the sons of God, that is in Genesis um, chapter 6. And in Genesis chapter 6, y'all, there is, like I said, there is a group going around. And because they don't have too much of an understanding, or they, they like I said, it's whitewash. They want to take it, and they want to make it. They got to fill the gaps in because they don't know how it rolls. And... Um, Genesis chapter 6 and it says it came to pass that when men begin to multiply excuse me men begin to multiply on the face of the earth the difference between men because remember you got to remember there's a line of Cain and there's a line of Adam Adam had another son named Seth Seth had a son named Enos men begin to call upon the name of the Lord so the Holy Spirit is talking about just like the day that you and I live the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God prevents um let's say everything just going chaotic. You can see glimpses of it. Listen, I just want to touch on this real quick. And I know about all the different, I know about the book of Jude where it says that the angels left their habitation. We know that Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a star. You ever see a shooting star when it goes across the sky? Bam. He said, I saw Satan fall. So Satan's original estate was in glory. We, we know about that. But now he was cast down to earth and he is down here and, and uh, he drew a third of the stars with him or a third of the angels with him. And they're down here trying to work their plan to try to jack you and I up. Now, Cain went the way of uh, went with Satan's idea. But there's a group of men called the sons of God that didn't. Now, when the um, when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, this this right here, and I'm telling you, sexual immorality, 
sexual immorality, those of us that are saved, married or unmarried, still dealing with sexual immorality. Men are dealing with it. The enemy comes and he attacks us men all the time. I'm by myself again. I'm not married. So now I got to deal with this nonsense. It's better to marry than to burn in your flesh, okay? I just go ahead and talk about it. I know a lot of other people are eloquent. They just don't want to talk about it. I just like to talk about it. It's, you know, if we confess our faults one to another and pray for one another that God would heal us because the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. So, so there's some things that we got to just sit down, take our masks off, stop showing everybody our fig leaves. We putting things on to show everybody all this and that. But as men and women of God, we have to sit down here and we have to read and we have to study and we have to listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. There's an issue going on um, in the church. It's been dealt with in the beginning and it needs to be dealt with today. And we need to come out from among them and be thou separate. But if we have an issue where we cannot contain ourselves, we need to find somebody to marry. Okay? Because I'm telling you, now sexual immorality, I'm not talking about homosexuality, no, I'm talking about heterosexual men, heterosexual women. Just because we haven't moved on to the abominations that's going to be in Leviticus after 18, I believe it's either 18 or 19. Still, one flesh. He didn't make, he, he took Adam, he made one woman. He didn't make four women. That's something that we did on our own. From the beginning, it was something that was never meant to be, just like divorce, something that was never meant to be, and we have to understand that. So a whole bunch of stupid stuff is going on right now. And we, as men and women of God, we need to come out from among them and be thou separate. Oh, the Lord knows my heart. Yeah, your heart is desperately wicked. What man will know it? But we know if the word of God is in us, if the spirit of God lives in us, stop worrying so much about speaking in tongues and doing your Holy Ghost dance. Worry about keeping his commandments, his precepts, and his statutes. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Jesus is talking to you and I. He's talking to these brothers back there and they wanted to kill him because he's trying to tell them that the commandments that we just started to read about in Exodus chapter 20, he says, if you love me, and I believe that we love. I believe that the sons of God, we received an opportunity to be called sons of God to those of us that call upon his name. And I believe that we love him, but we can't continue to live in sin. Sin has to be dealt with. So when we begin to look at this and it says, and it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. Yeah, they look good. And they took them wives of all which they would choose. And the Lord said, my spirit, what spirit? The Holy Spirit, the one that John said that Jesus was going to baptize us with, shall not always strive with man for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. And there were giants or tyrants in those days. Those were like Genghis Khan and them, brothers that would amass armies to go out and conquer places, just to take things over, kill men, women, and children, and take all their things. That's what they were doing back in the day. There were tyrants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, the sons of God began to do the same thing. And you can see it. 
back um, and I'm going to have to go there. I might have to pause and I got to go back and I got to make sure that I go back to when Israel, um, when they were about to begin to make their journey and, and, and making their way towards the promised land. And the brothers started mingling with the women from the other nations. And it ran the Lord hot. Do you understand me? Ran him hot. I'm at the, I'm at to go touch on that a little bit. I need to touch on the Benjamites. When they got lost and they started running, men started going after men. But we're going to touch on that in a second. So anyway, but when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, they bore children to them that same became mighty men which were of old men of renown and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart and the Lord said I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth both man beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air for it repents me that I have made them, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So now you know that the law was given by Moses, but what grace and truth cometh by Jesus Christ. Now, y'all, because if you do not understand that the men that are writing the Gospels are Israelites or Hebrews, they hold the word of God to be Genesis to Malachi, then you're going to go back here and you're going to believe what anybody tells you. Even though John, he's exegeting Genesis chapter four, verse 25, as many as received him to them, he gave the opportunity to be called sons of God. Those that what? Call upon his name. There was a difference. That's why at first Chronicles, it starts off with Adam, Seth, and Enos. We're not talking about Cain no more. That's men. But then you got the sons of God and then you got mankind. There's a difference. You're going to have men that believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And then you're just going to have other men around here that are living. Okay. They don't, unless you're going to have other women around here that are living. You're going to have women of God who can find a virtuous woman. And you're going to have other women just living around here. Okay. All right. Now let's go to Romans chapter one. All right, Romans chapter one. And Paul here in Romans chapter one, being the great Torah student that he is, Gamaliel being his teacher. And you know, if you're a student of Gamaliel, I know that you, you know, the first five books, they used to try to memorize. That's why Paul teaches a lot from Genesis to Deuteronomy. You know, his foundation scripture, you know, Abraham 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. You know, so that's a powerful scripture because if you believe, then it's accredited to your account as righteous. All right. As many as received him, to them, he gave the opportunity to become sons of God to them that what believe on his name, Genesis 15, 6, also Genesis uh, 4 and uh, 25. Get around to Genesis chapter 6, the sons of God. So all that stuff is coming together. Now we begin to look at Romans. I'm going to speed it up a little bit here, but maybe you can read it on your own. And, and, and some of the times I'm praying, and Lord, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 
But Paul, being who he is, and in all of the letters that he writes, he has a Torah background, which is Genesis, Genesis Deuteronomy. And let's see here, in verse 11 of Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking to the church. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift, to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Okay, here we go. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Okay, he's now going back to Genesis chapter six, because we don't really know what happened in Genesis chapter six? We just know that they got on God's last nerves and said that my spirit, listen, will not always strive with men. When the sons of God were rolling along and they were calling upon his name and they were living the life that God wanted them to live, it was good. But when they begin to fall, you mean to tell me that only Noah was left? You mean to tell me when men begin to multiply on the earth, that only Noah was left? That was it? So what happened? How did, what happened? How did we get to a place where God repented? Let's see, because Paul is going to begin to tell you and I what happened. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was dark. And that word imagination, even though it's a New Testament now, we see it back over in Genesis chapter 6. Verse 22 of, of Romans chapter 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who was blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman 
burned in their lust one towards another men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Even as they did not like to retain God and their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they uh, which committed such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Now listen, we know the wages of sin is death. The Lord told them that in the garden. He says, if you eat of that tree, you shall what? Surely die. And I'm going to tell you right now, the first flood came because of all this nonsense right here. When the sons of God, they were a one woman man, not a multiple woman man. They had one woman. They did it the way God asked it to be done. They just didn't listen. I know that if a man had somehow had an accident and he died, that they would take that woman and they would um, either one of his brothers would step up and have relations with that woman to make seed for his brother. And they would look after this woman and they would, and you know, if they had, a, if she had a man, okay, cool, great. But just going out here, man, and, and it first starts with looking at the women, looking at them for not the reason why they are created. That's not the, what Eve was created for. She's a help meet, an M-E-E-T. She's not a piece of meat, but something has happened to us men to where we begin to look at women like they're a piece of meat. M-E-A-T, and they are not a piece of meat. Something happened to the women. When the brothers, they listen, it starts off, a, a, a little spark kindles a fire, and that fire, when it gets out of control, starts to burn every which way. They started having one man with two women, with three women, and next thing you know, now women are laying up with women. That's how it starts. Little menage a trois. And the next thing you know, women are laying up with women. They don't have no need for the man no more. And the man likewise, because he's out of control now. The fire has been set. It's like a, it's like a California fire now. Now the men, the imaginations and the lust, now men laying with men. That's not what God had created them for. And now they, they lost their natural mind like the children of Israel when Moses goes up the mountain and all of a sudden they pull gold together tell Aaron to make them a golden calf. It's the same thing that happened on the other side of the flood. Now they're worshiping uh, what was created instead of worshiping the creator. So now he comes on the scene in Exodus chapter 20. He says, I am the Lord thy God which brought you up out of the land of Egypt and out of the yoke of bondage. Thou shalt have no other God but me. And he has to start laying out to him. You ain't going to be sitting here making no golden, uh, no images of nothing out of wood, gold, silver, or whatever. I am the Lord your God. 
he starts to break it down to them. And, and Paul, being the great Torah student that he is, because you want to know why? Is Paul just kicking us off to the Roman people? He's trying to explain to them what was happening on the other side of the flood that got these people so jacked up. And I'm telling you, it's trying to happen to us in the church today. We're the sons and daughters of God. We're the ones that got to stop the nonsense. And we've got to pray and ask the Lord to, to turn us from our wicked ways. And my people who are called by my name would turn from their wicked ways and pray and seek my face, I'll heal their land. Do you understand that? It's so important for you and I to be ye transformed by God's word so that we would know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God and come out from among them and be thou separate. Do you understand that? We, I know I keep saying that, but it's like, come on now. We've got to make a choice. We have to make a decision. And the decision is to come out from among them. And you know what? It goes on to say that therefore, in, in Romans chapter 2, therefore you are excusable, O men, whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thou judges another, you condemn thyself. For you that judge do the same things. We can't do the same thing as the world. We can't do the same thing. Come out from among them. If you can't and you just feel like you're stressed out. As a church, we have to be able to come to one another and to confess our faults one to another and sincerely pray for one another to be healed. He is the God that heals us because we know the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avail of much. No longer can we continue to hide. No longer can we continue to um, wrap ourselves up in fig leaves. We got we to gotta come together as brother and sister and begin to say, hey, y'all, I need some help. Because this area of my life, and it's not just sexual immorality. It could be the lottery, trust not in uncertain riches. It could be you messing around with the horoscope. Whatever it is, the spirit of God will convict you. But we need to come together and say, we need to pray. And I know there's a lot of gossipers in church and things like that. And people are going to be looking at you all crazy because they don't understand the Bible talks about sin. All of a sudden now we switch. And in Exodus chapter 21 and moving forward, we start to go into the law. We start to, Exodus chapter 20, 21. Now we start going into Leviticus. Now we start going into Numbers. We start going into the Deuteronomy. And the Lord begins to start talking to us. And showing us through scripture the areas of our life that he's just like, yo, man, like James said, how can we go into the perfect law of liberty, the perfect Torah of freedom? It's freedom. The first five books are about freedom from sin, from Satan, freedom. We walk and, and look at the perfect law of liberty and then we turn around and act like we never read it. And we go out here and we want to say, God knows my heart. He is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So, I, you know, I, I, you know, he knows my heart. He knows I love him. If you love me, then keep my commandments. Keep my precepts. Keep my statutes. I don't know. 
I'm sorry, y'all. I mean, I, th this is what I see when I go into scripture. This is what I see from, from the church today, man, that we, you know, the world is coming on in. The world has been in for a minute. And they're preaching the prosperity message. They just want to preach Malachi all day. All we want to be is successful, but we do not want to be like uh, Hebrews chapter eight, where God says, "In those days, I will pour my, I, I, I will, uh, I will write my laws." And I'm sorry about that. I will write my laws upon their heart and upon their mind, and I will be to them a God, and they will be to me a people. When the law is written upon your heart, you're going to be just like John the Baptist. John the Baptist went before the king, and he looked at the king, and he saw that the king's brother's wife was sitting there, and he said, "That's not lawful," or "That's not Torah." God gave us the scriptures to tell us what is right and what is wrong. You need your mind transformed, King, so that you would know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's not God's will for you to be laying up with your brother's wife. And that's what he said. And I tell you right now, it, the king considered John to be a prophet. But his brother's wife, <laughs> She didn't give two cents about John. She wanted John, she wanted his head. She wanted John to be shut up for good about what was going on in her life. Do you understand me? Yeah, she wanted to get rid of John. And when the opportunity came, she said, I want John's head, kill him. Because the light shines into darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. You think Jesus came here to give you and I a license to sin? He did not. He came to be a light to us, to let us know not only are our sins forgiven, but he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he's the one that baptizes us with the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost comes, it ain't going to be a bunch of dancing. It ain't going to be a bunch of speaking in tongues. When the Spirit of God came down in Exodus chapter 20, he brought his commandments, his precepts, and his statutes, and they began to go forward preaching his commandments and his precepts and his statutes, what God's will for our life is and illuminating who Jesus is because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm telling you, when the Spirit of God came on the church, Ananias and his wife wanted to hold back some offerings and they dropped dead right there in front of the people. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God his, he, he gave us the scriptures. Holy men of God, moved by the Spirit of God, gave us the scriptures. The scriptures are holy, y'all. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word is God. The Word came, became flesh, and we beheld the glory of the Father. We beheld the only begotten Son. I'm going to stop there, y'all. I've been going hard for a minute now. But I'm going to stop there and I'm going to review it. I think I need to come back and hit some more. I don't know what you're going to think about this. Y'all listen, it's a whole new year. You can hear all the fireworks going on around me. And I pray that if you haven't heard the word of God before, I pray that you're hearing it tonight. And I pray that the word of God will come at you the way that God designed it to come at you and come at me. Because he has not changed, y'all. When he showed up on the mountain, they thought, hey, listen, we understand Passover. And we understand being baptized into Moses. And we understand that John the Baptist came baptizing. But we've got to get to the mountain. We've got to get to when the mountain was on fire. 
and it looks like little cloven tongues of fire on top of our head and the spirit of God has come down. Remember it says who the spirit of God came down and remained on. That is the Mashiach and the Mashiach is the one that will baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost comes on you, I'm telling you, his commandments, his precepts, and his statutes will be written upon your heart and upon your mind, and you will be to him a son, you will be to him a daughter, and he will be our God. So come out from among them and be thou separate. I'm telling you, that's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. Come out from among them, and if we begin to follow God's word and listen to God's word, I'm not telling you to go back and start dressing up like an Israelite. That's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And remember that Genesis to Malachi, that's what the disciples or the apostles were preaching from. That's what Jesus was preaching from. Okay? So don't think that anything has changed. He came to fulfill it. It all talked about how the lamb was going to take away the sins of the world. So when the angels showed up, they said, now there's peace on earth and goodwill towards men. So if you receive it, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons and daughters, okay? God bless you. Happy New Year. Yo, let's make 2021. Matter of fact, let's just make right now. If you're listening to this message, and this message is moving upon your heart and challenging you to be, to be a better believer, to want God to come in and change your heart, I pray that you would get on your knees right now or if you're driving in your car. Listen, you ain't got to get on your knees. If you are sincere in your heart, I pray that you will call out to him. Call on the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love y'all. God bless you. And I'll be back with another one.